Hey, everybody, welcome today to Southside Church. My name's Jeff Williams. I'm the lead pastor here, and I'm thankful for you that you would join us today, hang out with us as we open up the Bible and see what God's Word has to say about our life because it's personal. I mean, the series says it's not personal, but it is. And uh, everybody's got issues and things that they deal with in their life that are important to them, that are personal to them, and, uh, and, and so that's important. But when somebody kind of comes at us and shares some difficult things, some hard things, some truths with us, they'll sometimes lead with the statement, you know, this isn't personal. But if somebody ever says to you, hey, this isn't personal, you better believe it sure is personal. Buckle up, buttercup, because it's about to be personal. And uh, it also kind of goes along the theme of, well, you know, honestly, well, honestly, have you been lying to me before? Or have you not been speaking to me honestly? Hey, it's not personal. Oh, yes, it is. Respectfully, that means you're about to disrespect me. But nevertheless, all kinds of little sayings and things that we have to, that we say to lead into conversations. Today, it's not personal. We should say dot, 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 but it is. Jesus is speaking in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 to a group of people. It could have numbered in the hundreds of people. We know that his disciples were there that day, and it was his first publicly recorded sermon in Scripture. And Matthew records it word for word. As a matter of fact, you could read Matthew 5, 6, and 7 in a span of roughly 18 minutes. It would take you to read all three chapters. But what Jesus says in those 18 minutes is life-altering. It's eternity-changing. And it is groundbreaking, not just in our lives today, but it was definitely so for the lives of them that day. Because he was coming in to bring, he was coming to usher in a brand new covenant. What they had was the old covenant, the Old Testament, that was built around the law. They call it the Mosaic Law, the Law of Moses, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the books of Moses. And inside of those books contain the law that God gave Moses to the Israelite people as they left Egypt, moving into the Promised Land, a set of laws that would govern a nation that the nation of Israel still lives by today, and so much of Western civilization is built around so many of those things. And so Jesus is teaching the people. He's trying to usher in the fulfillment of that law and the beginning of a time of grace. From the Old Covenant to the New Covenant, or the Old Testament to the New Testament. One does not mean ancient and outdated, the, and, and one means new and fresh. It means one is a foundation, and two, the second, is the fulfillment of that in a person that came to save you from your sin. This is what we see. Jesus turns his attention now to the Mosaic law the foundation of Jewish national life, their moral, ceremonial, traditional way of living life, this is it. Jesus turns his attention there. So what we have seen, and I just want to walk all the way through these three chapters, however long it takes us, we began with the Beatitudes, the opening nine statements that Jesus makes that is uh, an introduction to the sermon. Then he goes into a time of talking about how to make that 
visible in our lives, salt of the earth, light of the world. And Jesus ends by that by saying in, in verse uh, 16, he says, you, he says, in the same way, you should let your light so shine before men so that they will see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. The good works that Jesus is talking about is now about to be con- con- conveyed to the people as right living. This is how you do it. And so now he turns his attention to his body of work, to what he has come to do and establish for not just the nation of Israel, but for everyone who chooses to believe. The crowd was wondering how Jesus' teaching related to what they had been taught all of their lives because what they had been taught and what had been demonstrated in front of them was that religion was so far above them that they could never really achieve or attain what they what they were seeing with their eyes the law of Moses the teaching of God the mosaic law contained some 613 laws regulations and, and, and what, what the people were seeing, what, he, what they were hearing from the Pharisees, the scribes, the religious leaders, is that you had to adhere to all of those. If you wanted to follow God, if you wanted to trust God, you had to adhere to all of those. And what the Pharisees and the scribes had done over time, over a period of 400 years, they had built safeguards out around those 613 laws that made, made so that they made sure we don't want to break those laws, so we're going to build some laws around it so that we don't break those. But in order for us not to break those, we're going to build some more so that we don't break those. And then we're going to build these so that we don't break those. And they had added hundreds of laws on top of it that made religion look so unattainable, un, unwarnable, un, unwarning in their life. They didn't want it because it was such a turnoff, because the people led that led them led with a, 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 a fake facade that they knew wasn't real. The kind of person God blesses, that's what we see in the Beatitudes. And the kind of person God uses, salt of the earth, light of the world, come first. Now we move into a portion of Scripture where we see the kind of Savior that God sent. So we see first the kind of person God blesses, and then we see the kind of person God uses. But in order to experience the blessing of God and be the kind of person that God uses, you've got to understand what kind of Savior He sent to fight to, for you and I to believe in. And when we see this, I believe you would say, no wonder they call Jesus the Savior. We hear the term goat, greatest of all time. Man, we can apply it to the Michael Jordans of the world or the LeBrons or, or, you know, all of these different types of people. When it comes down to it, the one who who stands head and shoulders above everybody and everything is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the goat, the greatest of all time. And I believe when we walk through some of these passages, you'll sit back and say, man, no wonder they called him the Savior. Number one, this is what we see. You know, it's not personal, but it is. It's not about you. When we read these passages and we look at this right here, this is not about you. The religious leaders made it about them. They wanted it to be about them. It was very much a look at me kind of faith and religion. But what Jesus is beginning to teach in this setting is this very principle. This is not about you. Hey, it's not personal, 
but it is. He says this in verse 17, Matthew 5, 17. Don't assume, Jesus said, that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy them, but to fulfill them. The rub that Jesus was facing right now was the fact that he didn't come from a traditional Jewish upbringing or a school or following a certain rabbi. Jesus was doing things that were unorthodox. He was healing on the Sabbath. He was doing things that were contrary in man's eyes to the law. And so what they were seeing was someone doing something contrary to what they assumed the law to be and say. However, Jesus was not living contrary to the law. He was living and teaching exactly how the law was intended to be. The Pharisees had made it something that it was not achievable, something that they, people didn't want. Jesus is saying, that's not it at all. If you want to know how it was supposed to be, look to me. Come follow me. This is how you do it. Don't assume that I came to destroy the law. And that's what they were saying. Don't follow him. He's doing something that is ungodly. Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill it. I came to show you exactly how it was meant to be. What Jesus was doing here, what he was about to say and what he was about to teach was going to be hit like hitting these Pharisees with a sledgehammer. Man, he was bringing a sledgehammer to this thing. It was going to shock and send shock waves through the nation. That's why they killed him. They killed him because what they thought they were doing was an honor to God. It was not. They killed the author of life because they didn't understand, they didn't listen to what he was trying to accomplish, and because of that, they totally missed him. Jesus said here in the very beginning, he tells them, I'm not here to destroy the law. I came to fulfill it. See, Jesus was teaching something that was not yet completely possible. What Jesus was saying in these scenarios and in this sermon, okay, a lot of what he was saying was not completely possible yet for people to follow it. Because it's not possible until our heart is transformed by the Savior. What, what Jesus is laying out for them was not even really possible until after he died on the cross, rose again, sent the Holy Spirit to them to empower them to go and live out this life. What may not have been possible yet for them is absolutely possible for you and I today. We have the completed Word of God. We've got the, the powerful working of the Holy Spirit. We've got the visible demonstration of sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ on a cross and the resurrection of Him from the dead. What they didn't have at this moment, you and I have everything we need know what to see, who Jesus is and exactly what he came to do and to say with our life, no wonder they call him the Savior. Jesus was saying, it's not 
Mm, quite possible yet. I've got to complete it. I didn't come to destroy it. I came to fulfill it. And they're watching this unfold before their very eyes. It's not going to be entirely possible until our heart is transformed by the Savior and the Spirit of God. And so the first thing we realize is, number one, this is not about you. Because, number two, this is all about Him. This is not about you. This is all about Jesus. That's what he's saying here in these verses. This is not about you, Pharisee. This is not about you, disciples. This is not about you, ladies. This is not about you, kids. This is not about you, people. I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill it. In reality, he's the only one that could say, it really is all about me. But it's not. And so for him to say, it's not personal. (laughs) But it really is because he came to do it just for you. He came to give his life on your behalf so that you don't have to. Verse 18, for I assure you, Jesus said, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or the smallest, tiniest stroke of a letter will pass from the law until all these things are accomplished. Jesus said, heaven and earth could pass away. Before, I mean, before this, hap- this is going to be fulfilled. Nothing matters more than the fulfillment of the law of God to a world that is in desperate need of a Savior. Why did God create the heavens and the earth? The earth was not created because of a cosmic explosion or a a cosmic burp trillion, gazillion years ago. The, the, The universe, all that we know was created by the very spoken word of God. How do I know that? Because Genesis 1 tells me in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And all of Genesis 1 describes for us the creation of the earth. Yeah, but what about all the other planets? What about all the other universes? What about all the other things that are out there? God speaks to that in Genesis 1 too. He does. At the very end of his creation order, it says this. It says five five words to the creation of everything outside of the sun and the earth. And he made the stars. Also, there were six. And he made the stars also. Six words. Six words to the other creation of of everything outside of the earth and the sun. Why only give six words to that? Because it's not near as significant what is out in outer space and outside of the world as much as is inside the earth. Because you live here. I live here. We are the reason that Jesus came. No, it's not about you. When you look at life, when you look at problems, when you look at hurt, when you look at pain, even when you look at sin, it's not about you. It's all about Jesus. It's not personal, but it is. Because Jesus did it for every person. The smallest letter or the tiniest stroke, another way to say this, or not, the, not one jot or tittle 
Imagine the smallest letter in the alphabet and the tiniest stroke, the dot on top of the I, the bar across the T, the swoosh at the end of the Y that separates it from the V, whatever it is, just little things, the little line that that may separate the E from the F, just different things in our own alphabet. Jesus is saying, I assure you, I promise you, I guarantee you, you can count on it. I'm going to fulfill everything. Every part of the 613 laws. Jesus said, I'm going to fulfill it because I wrote it. John 1.1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1.14, and the Word became flesh and took up residence among us full of grace and truth. What they had was truth. What they were seeing was grace. And Jesus brought those together perfectly. You and I don't do that. We err on one side or the other. Truth? Or grace. We call it conservatism and liberalism. We err on one side of the other. And we think our side's right and they think their side's right. And which one is it? Jesus is the perfect connection of both. And he said, I assure you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or the tiniest stroke of a letter will pass away from the law until all things are accomplished. Wow. What is Jesus saying? He said nothing, nothing is equal to God's word. See, what the Pharisees were saying was that they were saying they were equal to God's words. Their words were just as important as God's words. Their laws that they were building around God's words were equal to God and His word. That is not the case, friend. Jesus said nothing. No one or no thing is equal to God's word. Not even heaven and earth. And He would uphold everything. From the law of God. He would do it all. No wonder. No wonder they call him the Savior. Jesus is great. So this, it's not about you. It's really all about Jesus. Therefore, point number three today. Take him seriously. Listen to what he's got to say. Listen, learn, obey, live. Listen, learn, obey, and live. That is exactly what he is saying to us. Verse 19, therefore. Whenever you see the word therefore in your Bible, you ought to ask yourself the question, what's it therefore? Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill it. And I'm going to fulfill every jot and tittle of this thing so that you know that I am the Savior. Whoever breaks one of the, the least of these commands and teaches people to do so, will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches these commands will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. 
as Jesus begins to walk through this. And he begins to open these things up to them. Jesus is showing the people the power of obedience. The power of listening, learning, and living. Listening, learning, and living what Jesus has to say. He said, teaching the people the least, one of the least of these commands. Whoever breaks one of the smallest parts of these commands and leads people to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever practices and teaches them will be called great. What he's laying the foundation for is to show us that no one can accomplish this apart from Jesus. The Pharisees were saying, come do what we do because we are equal. We are the same. Our righteousness is what you need to see. Jesus is about to hit them with a sledgehammer and go, you're just as guilty as they are. Everybody's guilty. No one is righteous. No one is good enough. No one is godly enough. You can't get to God on your own. It can only come through the Messiah, the Savior, Jesus the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus was putting the law back into perspective as the rule of life for the people to whom it was given. He said they've taught it wrong. Jesus would see people sick, broken on the Sabbath. And the, God's law didn't say you couldn't heal on the Sabbath. Man's law did that. The Sab, we were not made for the Sabbath, Jesus said. The Sabbath was made for us so that we could stop what we're doing. Focus our life or our moment of our day or our week on the Creator God, the Savior Christ, and the Blessed Holy Spirit. And enjoy Him in a moment. This isn't about you. This is about Him. And if that's the case, therefore, take Him seriously. And if you're going to take him seriously, first you got to see your sin and what that separa- how that separates us from God. And then we want to go to his word so that we can see the incredible nature of the Savior. No wonder they called him the Savior. If you're going to follow, if you're going to take him seriously, You do that so that you can follow him faithfully. I can't follow him faithfully if I don't take him seriously. If I don't trust him as my Savior and take the focus off of me and put it onto him. (laughs) No wonder. No wonder they call him the Savior. Jesus said, for I tell you the truth. I think he says this some 13 or 14 times over these three chapters. I tell you the truth. He says it over and over and over again. You have been taught this, but I say this. Unless your righteousness, your good deeds, 
your right living surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. This is what everybody thought in that moment. Great. We already thought God was so far away, and they have made themselves so much higher than us. If, 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 if they can't go, how are we going to get to go? This verse is the introduction or opening statement to the rest of the sermon. The rest of Matthew 5, the rest of Matthew 6, the rest of Matthew 7. Because Jesus is about to not just tell them, but the Pharisees, you don't get in away from me. I'm the only way you get to heaven. When you see this passage and you see this verse... It's a powerful display. I mean, like the rest of the sermon is a commentary on this one verse. It's a the- this verse is a thesis for the rest of the passage. And it is a powerful statement. It's a shock and awe kind of statement. Because the scribes and the Pharisees were considered to be the ultimate example for everybody to follow. And Jesus claimed that even the Pharisees and the scribes weren't good enough. No amount of law-keeping was enough because the problem was not the law. The problem was the human heart. See, this is what Jesus was doing. Jesus was declaring war on religion. He said no one could keep the law. And everyone needs a Savior. Everybody needs a Savior. He came to fulfill the law. Every jot and tittle. Therefore, therefore, take him seriously and follow him faithfully. Jesus said we are to demonstrate our faith by our right living with attitudes and actions that reflect the character of Christ. How can we say we know him and follow him when we don't do what he says? When we listen to it and we learn it and we live it, that's when true righteousness comes. So how, in you, how can you and I fulfill the law? How can you and I fulfill this law? All 613 rules and laws. How do we do this? It's so simple. By, submit, by surrendering to the Holy Spirit and allowing Him to work in our lives. Pastor, am I supposed to go Learn all 613 laws and remember them and follow them? No. 
What am I to do? How do I fulfill the law? You go to the one who fulfilled it for you. You start at the cross. You look up at Jesus. And you realize he's the fulfillment of every one of those things. And he did it for you. It's not personal. But it is. No wonder. No wonder. They call him the Savior. If you don't know Christ today. If you don't know who Jesus is. If you don't have a relationship with him. Over the past several weeks in our church. We've seen so many people trust Christ. And follow him in baptism. Saying they want a relationship with him. Do you have one? Do you want one? The shape of our world, the condition of the things that are going on around us should scare us to death. Or scare us to Jesus. Because when you know God, you don't have to spend time getting ready to meet Him. The person that's ready... They don't have to spend time getting ready. Are you ready? If you don't know Christ today, pray this with me. Pray this with me today. Say, Father God, I believe in you. I believe you sent your son to be my savior. Say to Jesus, Jesus, forgive me for my sin. By your grace, make me right with you. Say to him, Jesus, be the Savior and Lord of my life. Because I'm ready. I'm ready to follow you, put my faith and trust in you. I'm ready to say yes to you today. Amen. Hey, if you prayed with me today, I'd love for you to let us know in the comment section below. Maybe you'd even go to our, 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 our website, southside.online. Send us an email letting us know, I said yes to Jesus. Or maybe you take another step. If you live in our area, come to one of our two locations. Visit us. See one of our pastors. Come see me and tell me, Pastor, I saw it online. I prayed with you, and I said yes to Jesus, and I'm ready to take the next step. Let us help you do that. It would be our pleasure to serve you. God bless you. I hope you have a great day.